Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I am your host, Quentin. And listen, we're still cooking with the guest series right now, the listener series. I really appreciate listeners being on this podcast. Man, it's good. I thought only my mom and, you know, listened to the podcast. <laughs> so this is great. I'm so, listen, I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to talk to baseball with so many people that I don't even know, right? It's an it's a very fun thing to build these friendships with people through the Instagram and the podcast because even though we don't, you know, none of us really know each other. You know, like if you're listening to the podcast or follow the Instagram, you know, we don't know each other, but it's like we sort of do because we shared a lot of the same experiences growing up. You know, it's like no matter where you live, we all still played the same game of baseball and experienced the same fun. You know, we all dove hard into second, skinned up our knees, put on our stirrups and our Mizuno wristbands and just got after it. It's really been a blast doing this. And on this week, I got a dude named Daniel on. Man, sweetheart of a guy. This thing goes on for about an hour and 12 minutes. It's a good conversation. Just a couple dudes talking baseball. So give it a listen. We did our best. And I think it's a good one, you know, and let's get to the sponsor, though. This bad boy right here, this episode is sponsored by Hood Hat. You know the deal, man. Um, Hood Hat, the great hats, 100% merino wool, made locally in New York. Good stuff. The motto is never leave it behind. It's a pure nostalgic brand, and it makes me feel good. The hat I'm sporting now, listen, is the Pittsburgh Three Rivers hat. Damn, man. I put that bad boy on, dude, and it's like, all I can think about is Dave Parker, Kent Takuve, you know, Pop Stargell, uh, Roberto Clemente, Richie Hebner, right? He used to bury bodies in the offseason. <laughs> Stellar dude, man. But listen, these hats are great. Max is a good dude. And you know the routine, man. Like, I um, I took him on as a sponsor, or maybe he <laughs> took me on as a pity project. I'm not sure. Listen, Max is sort of one of those dudes like Daniel, who I recorded this podcast with. You know, we didn't know each other, but we grew up around the same time, and we feel like we're just buddies, dude, and we got to talking, and I was like, hey, man, I want some of these hats, and he's like, yeah, they're cool, and I got the hats in, and they feel so good on your head, and the color pops. They're just badass hats, dude. You can go to their Instagram at hoodhatusa or go to hoodhat.com, they're just they're badass hats. So like if you're like a Cubs fan or a Reds fan or a Pirates fan or like a Mets fan, Astros fan, like it's all there and it's uh, all nostalgia to all the good '80s stuff. So check them out. And until then, let's get to the podcast. Here's Daniel. Hit record. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is the greatest show on dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I am your host Quentin, and I have Daniel. On the line, Daniel, what's up, man? Hey, Quentin. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Grateful to be on the show. Listen, I'm happy to have you. Now, this will be episode number four in the listener series, and I'm so excited to have you on, man. Like, the Instagram community and, like, the podcast has somehow taken off, and it's not my doing at all. It's just, like, I just started uploading old pictures and trying to have funny stories with them. And the comment section was always filled with like funny, nostalgic, sometimes sweet stuff, you know, talking about family and baseball and all those sorts of things. And I, one day I thought, I was like, man, I'm really grateful for everybody that comments on this stuff because we're going through quarantine, everybody's locked down, they're wearing a face mask like they're about to rob a bank. And I was like, well, hell, I think, I feel like I wanna talk to some of these people because they're people that, I'll talk to on Instagram that I feel like I'm friends with in sort of like a 
not a weird stalkerish way. And uh, here you are, man. So I'm thankful to have you on because I think base I think everybody's baseball stories are unique and they're just good. So I can't wait to talk to you. Absolutely. No, I'm excited as well. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, grateful to be on the show. And I just, I really resonate with a lot of the uh, things that you've been posting and the stories and the, the pictures. So it's great. I love what you're doing. Dude, I'm glad to hear that because I sort of like, my love for baseball grew, I would say, as soon as my daughter was born because I was flooded with all these feelings on like the things that my parents did for me. And that that contribution felt so much more real to me because I was able to do that. So I looked at it as sort of like a challenge to myself to say like, listen, the things my parents did for me, I want to do that. And somewhere in my mind, it centers around baseball and I'm not sure why. But baseball is, you know, that's how baseball works. Like baseball out of the major sports, like you're talking basketball, football, hockey, it's baseball that I think tugs at a person's heartstrings the most. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I mentioned that, uh, you know, like you're posting about your summer routine. They go along with some of the pictures you're posting. I mean, I love the, there's one you posted of UL Washington. Like just, oh yeah. Takes me back. And, uh, you know, just some of those and, the, my, you know, my routine during the summer was, you know, played ball out in the front yard with the neighborhood folks. And then you come in for dinner and you're heating up the, the pizza or the chicken nuggets. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I'm in Dallas. So watching Juan Gonzalez and Rafael Palmero and Pudge Rodriguez sit, you know, bombs uh, the evenings with the Rangers. I mean, that's that was my routine growing up. Listen, Juan Gonzalez was my guy on RBI Baseball. That whole Texas Rangers team, I think it was one summer, me and my buddy Sean and a bunch of us, like we had a daily routine where it was like, wake up, get on your bike, go play baseball, go swimming, because my buddy Sean had an above-ground pool. And then we had a whole summer where we played Sega in his living room. And I always had to be the Texas Rangers, because you had like Jose Canseco, I think Ruben Sierra, Juan Gonzalez, and those guys could hit bombs. And Juan Gonzalez is like by far... I'd say one of my favorite players growing up. I was like him, Ron Gant. I mean, Pudge Rodriguez is, was, and probably still is, to be honest with you, just a phenomenal catcher, like such a freak athlete. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like, I mean, it was like, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of home runs hit in the 90s, but, I mean, yeah, you had just a, you know, solid lineup of guys that would hit 30 to 40 home runs, and it was catchers and, you know, not just the outfielder and the the corner infielders. It was the catchers hitting them, and yeah, it was great. I watched. I forget which All Star game it was, but I think either Pudge was a rookie or a second year player. And Barry Bonds. This is fast Barry Bonds. I think Barry was still on the Pirates, or maybe he was a first year Giant. So this could have been the '95 All Star game. And Barry ran on Pudge, and Pudge Rodriguez threw him out by like a mile at second base and I watched that play and I was like geez you gotta be kidding me and I don't even know if he threw it from his knees so like Pudge Rodriguez got up like a spring and absolutely launched this baseball and the things he did like I think he was like a 20 year old in the all-star game putting up huge numbers so that had to be a blast growing up in Texas and that being your team you know oh yeah no it was a lot of fun and uh yeah we had yeah him and one 
uh, won some MVPs there in the mid to late nineties. So it was, it was awesome. No, it was, it was fun. I mean, it, it, uh, it gets hot down here in Texas, but you know, and, uh, but so, you know, you're, it gets hot playing baseball and watching baseball and going to the ballpark, but uh, we still did it. And you just, you kind of ignore the heat and yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, as I get older, like I, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina now. So I'm originally from Illinois um, and I sort of miss the central time zone a little bit. So I always joke with my wife and tell her that the central time zone is God's time and Eastern time's just not right because everything's on too late. Like I stayed up the other night till 2 a.m. and watched the Padres play the Cardinals. That's way too late for a 37-year-old <laughs> guy with a 16-month-old to stay up for. But when you talk about the heat, right, so this summer it's hit me harder than anything, like that nostalgia with the heat, which it sounds completely crazy because I don't like to sweat. And But there's something so nostalgic about just like a hot summer day being outside. There's no breeze, so everything is just stagnant and melting, and you feel like you're in Satan's armpit. But from a kid, like, you know, with baseball being our sport, we all spend a lot of time outside playing in the heat and, you know, going to baseball games in the heat, you know, you're spending 10 bucks for a water bottle. And so you rack up a $100 tab on waters. But listen, to have you on, right, I'm most interested in your story with baseball because I think one of the things I am feel so lucky to be a part of is this community that's growing where I can talk to people about their baseball stories, right? So, like, growing up, like, what was baseball for you? Like, did you guys have a daily routine when you were young? Like, did you wake up and play baseball or go to games? Like, what did that look like? Right, absolutely. Well, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was – I would say it was certainly a part of uh, every day, specifically in the summer. And it works out great because you're out of school in the summer, and that's the height of baseball season, right? So, um, you know, I – I, you know, played baseball growing up, stopped uh, once I reached high school. But, you know, one of the things that, like, you, that resonates with me that I think you keep going back to is the, the nostalgic aspect. And so uh, really what I, I think has been so uh, big for me is just how it links, you know, generations of people together. So, for instance, you know, I think thinking back, I probably – or got my love for baseball from my grandpa because he was always telling me stories. Uh, and he told me a story uh, like once that um, just about taking his son to a game and seeing Ted Williams play. So, you know, I was, and I'm just like, Holy cow, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so this is like going back to the late fifties uh, and my uh, family's all from the Kansas city area and so this is going back to the Kansas City A's, right, at the old municipal stadium. And so he's taken his son, which is my uncle, uh, my mom's brother, to see Ted Williams. And, you know, I, I think there's so many things about, you know, generations like our parents or our grandparents that, you know, things that just, you know, uh, like disconnecting things. Like they grew up in a different time period. And, you know, my grandpa's a World War II veteran. I mean, when he was 19 years old he's on a, he was on a ship in the Pacific in the war and grew up uh, in the, the depression. And just, I mean, it's just, there's no way that I can, my, my upbringing, I imagine yours too is, was drastically different than that. But when it comes to baseball, it was always something that would kind of connect us together. And he would tell, you know, stories like that, seeing Ted Williams play, I mean, Ted Williams stopped playing 
20 years before I was born, uh, over 20 years before I was born. So, you know, it's just, it's stories like that, that, you know, just connect you to, um, you know, your family and you can connect kind of link the generations. And, you know, that's certainly a story that he never forgot. And obviously I'm never going to forget either. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty wild because Ted Williams to me is like baseball. I mean, to everybody really is baseball royalty. Like Ted Williams is like in the same sentence as like Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris breaking the home run record. Like this is an all-time great of the game. And to like have a family member that's seen that person play and then can tell you that story, it's unbelievable. But I really like what you said about like, you know, talking about him being like a World War II vet and stuff like that. Listen, our parents and grandparents, they did live a different life than us. And I'm so interested in that. Like me and you, like we have it so easy right now. You know, like my dad grew up. I'm not even joking with an outhouse in his backyard. Right. And I feel so lucky to have all the things that I have. And baseball always reminds me of that. Like my dad would work. I would wake up. I remember like on those early 90s years, like 92, 93, 94, like in the sports center days, my dad would be up at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning every morning. And I would set my alarm clock for 5 a.m. as a little kid so I could wake up and watch sports center with him. And it was like exciting in the moment being a kid because when I'm, you know, eight or nine years old, I'm not thinking of like the hard work my dad's doing. I don't know anything about that. I'm just a child. and But I loved so much like – you know, the chase for 400 and the chase for 62 home runs, you know, centered around mostly Tony Gwynn and Ken Griffey Jr. But then when I look at those times as I get older, it's like it reminds me of the hard work, you know, the different lives that they lived, right? I've got a cushy marketing job. My dad was hammering nails his whole entire life, had to retire when he was like 50 because he had rheumatoid arthritis, has, he's still alive, with like all the construction work. He had to have two knees and a hip replaced by the time he was 50, right? That's what he, that's like what he put his body through. And the whole time growing up, he always told me like, listen, get an office job, get a desk job. Like you want no part of that. But at the same time, he never complained, you know, and those guys were such tough as nails. But then also with connecting generations, like my grandpa died in 2000, because I'm like you, like my grandpa, uh, you know, a lot of that centered around me, him and baseball, because my grandparents lived across the street. So I'd always go over there during the, get, the day, like on summer vacation, watch some WGN. And when he died, I got some of these old like Budweiser mugs that he had. And oddly enough, I gave one to my daughter because she was in the bath like a few days ago. And she's playing with this mug that my grandpa had. My grandpa never got a chance to meet her. And like two nights ago, she broke it. She threw it on the ground and the bottom of it cracked. And I wasn't even mad because like the crack on the bottom of that mug was like a, was signified like my daughter had that mug that my grandpa had. And there's the mark that shows it. And that sounds like the cheesiest thing ever, but it means something to me because baseball sort of connected that whole thing together, you know? Absolutely. Yes. And uh, when did you say, sounds like you, similar to me, I, I've, I got to uh, experience my grandpa for the majority of my life. He actually passed away three years ago. So, uh, I mean, I've, yeah, almost my whole life, he's been a part of it. And I've been able to hear those stories for that. I can uh, example I gave for a long time. And so I think that that's just been a, a really big deal too. Yeah, my grandpa passed away in 2009, I think. So I would have been Okay. I mean, 
I'm sure that was like 24, 25 at the time. And we lived ac- all lived across the street from each other, me and my parents and my grandma and grandpa, since I think I was like four years old or something like that. So it was definitely a lot of time spent for sure. And, you know, he sort of he was always a Cubs fan. So that's what got me into playing Cubs baseball or watching Cubs baseball. So when they won the World Series in 2016, it was, you know, it's pretty fun to watch. So, yeah, that was a big deal. Well, who was your uh, favorite player growing up? Were you a big Juan Gonzalez fan? I was a big one. I had the Juan Gonzalez poster and I had the Pudge Rodriguez poster. Uh, I mentioned that, yeah, my family's all from the Kansas City area. So I. I grew up going to some games at Kaufman, and I got to see uh, George Brett in his the, at the tail end of his career. So I had a George Brett poster, and then um, Mark McGuire was early on was one of my biggest, my favorite players, uh, just because when I really got hooked into baseball was I'd say the uh, late '80s, early '90s. Uh, the Earthquake series was one of my first. Uh, series uh, to watch and then you had the bash brothers and so canseco was just i mean those guys when you're a kid watching those guys on tv um they were kind of that first of the you know um just really big guys i mean baseball's had big guys but guys that you know really lifted weights and uh it was kind of a, a start of a at a different era um obviously you know when you're a kid you didn't know how all that was, was going to play out but those were the yeah, those were the guys that you just that were they were fun to watch. And then my brothers was I got a had a brother and he was we were all that was uh, growing up uh, we were always playing catch in the hundred degree heat in the front yard. His is Ricky Henderson. Oh, Ricky's a good one. Those are all yeah, good players, man. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those Oakland A's teams they were sort of like I mean they were pretty much you could be from anywhere in the United States. And, you know, know, know everything about the Oakland Athletics and they would be some of your favorite players. Like we, you know, my brother had a Mark McGuire poster in our room or whatever. So, yeah, Mark was definitely up there for me. But listen, when you mentioned George Brett, like George Brett was a phenomenal hitter in Kansas City. Listen, I've never been to Kauffman Stadium or Kansas City, but that's one of the places I would love to go to because I've been to St. Louis. Right. And St. Louis is a really big baseball town. And Kansas City strikes me as being a similar baseball town just like a rabid fun baseball town it is and and it's changed a lot too uh especially because i mean the, the royals uh won the series and then you know you've had the, the chiefs i mean that's just it's kind of transformed or been revived into a big sports town but it's also uh there's just uh, a lot of development too so it's it's really really fun but yeah, the the Bo Jackson and the George Brett uh, days. I mean, when I watched, yeah, in the early '90s. I mean, those were some lean years for the Royals. But you know, you had, um, you know, you had Saber Hagen, um, and you had David Cohn. I mean, you had some. They had some. They had some good players. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, but they, yeah, and then since then they've done a lot of. Um, revitalization of the ballpark too and I'm glad that they you know that they've uh, rather than you know building a, a new park or anything they've just they've uh, remodeled it and re you know have put a lot into it so yeah there were there were like you mentioned Brett Saberhagen listen Brett Saberhagen and Danny Tartable if I ever 
when I was a kid and I got like any of those guys' cards, like I don't know why I was so excited about it. Like I had a ton of Danny Tartable cards because I thought he was huge, man. This was just this big muscled up dude. And then Brett Saberhagen because he threw a no hitter, I think, like in 1990 maybe or something like that. And so like those guys were like tops for me. Like I love those dudes. But did you get a chance to see Bo Jackson play in person? You know, I I, I do not recall playing. I. I was thinking about that actually the other day. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, because he he stopped playing in the uh, early 80s, or excuse me, the late 80s. Yeah, I think it was uh, 89. might have been his last year yeah, at Kansas City. I don't think I saw – yeah, I start. I think we started going to games more like 90, 91, 92, because uh, Brett's last year was 93, and I think it was 92 or 93 that I saw him. Um, I did not see, yeah, live Bo Jackson, but um, yeah, I remember. I do remember being in my grandparents' living room watching the Royals on TV and seeing Bo Jackson. But I don't think I made it to a game to see him play live. Yeah, but to see George Brett, though, I mean, that's you know, I mean, that's got to be amazing. Like even his last season, I think the season before he retired, or maybe two seasons before that, he ended up winning a batty batting title. Like he was like. Charlie Lau was like the hitting coach that helped him out a ton. And I love, love watching George Brett hit. Like he's got the pine tar on the bat, a big cheek of chaw. Like that guy is a ball player that I love to watch play. I'll always go to YouTube and try to search for old Royals games so I can see that guy hit, man. He was a blast. Only guy, I believe only guy to win. I think he won a batting title in three decades, three different decades. Oh yeah, I believe guy. it. Because I know that last batting title he won, I think the one he won before that was like 10 years prior. And what was crazy is George Brett was so good at adjusting like during the season. So that last batting title he won, he started the season like two months in batting 180. And then all of a sudden broke off like a 380 clip for the rest of the season. Because, I mean, he was just through and through a hitter. Now, listen, you had mentioned... Kauffman Stadium, like them, you know, maintaining the stadium and not tearing it down. And that's like, that's sort of why Kauffman is like on my number one list of like, or number one on my list for like stadiums to go to, because it's still like an old historic stadium. And I sort of like, I get where teams like, you know, want to build new stadiums for like the fans and, you know, to make money and things like that, right? Everyone should get that. But I always sort of get like a tinge of like sadness when an old stadium you know, goes away and it's torn down. Like when I never got a chance to go to the previous Yankee Stadium, right? My wife did because she grew up in Long Island. But there are stadiums like that old – That I think that was Yankee Stadium 2 and then like Tiger Stadium, the old Comiskey Park. Like those are parks I never got to go to. Dude, and Tiger Stadium is the one that, that uh, I wish I could have gone to. I've been yeah. to the site that it was – like now they've got a little – it's a sandlot. Um, there's people playing sandlot oh. ball right where it stood, yeah. which which is really neat. But but that's one the tiger because I grew up watching, you know, the Rangers. I mean that was a that was a home run park, and oh, shit. Uh, yeah. that was one and probably uh, the uh, the Metrodome and uh, because the '91 oh, yeah. World Series was the first series that we. That was the first series that I vividly remember us sitting down and watching as a as a family with Kirby Puckett and then the the the, uh, the shutout by Jack Morris the the ten inning one in Game Seven. So 
those are two parks that I really wish that I could have gone to. I, I got to go inside the old Yankee Stadium. Um, it, it was uh, kind of when uh, spring training was ending and the season about to start and they're getting it ready. And that's kind of like the time when you can't, it's really tough, but I was able to like walk in and see it, but I didn't get to do much else. Yeah. I'm probably with you on both of those stadiums. Like tiger stadium is probably my number one, like just the way it looked with like the different levels of seating because I'm recording, I can't think of what it's like called, but like, I like I love the look of it and then for sure a home run hitters park like Cecil Fielder would hit balls out of that sucker and those old Tigers teams were an absolute blast to watch but like the Metrodome like I think most people would agree that if the Twins Braves in 91 isn't the best series ever it's one of the best ever played that place like would get so loud because the way it was built I think it was literally louder than a jet like, that's how crazy it was. And the sound was such, like, it was so hard for other teams to come in there and play because those fans were nuts in there. And that's for sure one of the ones I think I would have, you know, liked to have been to. But how many parks have you been to? So, I've fortunately, I've actually been to all of them. Jeez, uh, that is awesome. It, it was, uh, it took me many, many years, but I, I was able to, uh, to get it done. And uh, all the current ballparks. So I've been to some that uh, a few of them that aren't around anymore, but all of the uh, the current ones. Which ones have you been to that aren't around anymore? Uh, so like the Astrodome, nice. um, and then like Candlestick would be two uh, that come to mind. Um, yes, yeah, some of those that they and I've been to the new ones, but um, yeah, it was fun. It took uh, it took you know took some some years but it was it was a blast did they still have that big scoreboard in houston when you went to the Met- when you went to the astrodome yes with so like the bullhorns and all that stuff yeah. yes they do so yeah grew up in houston I, I i saw when i was a little kid so we're going back to like mid late 80s uh-huh I saw some games at the Astrodome, and yes, they had it. Dude, that is awesome. That's one of the scoreboards I wish I could have seen. That thing was so obnoxious. I loved it. Like, I think it had, like, gun shooting off and then the bullhorns. Like, that stadium, like, I watched the – I rewatched, like, the 86 NLCS, I think, like, last year. And, dude, those teams they had, like, Billy Hatcher, Nolan Ryan was on the team, Mike Scott, Glenn Davis – like yeah, that park phenomenal. And then oh, you yeah. mentioned that was my introduction to baseball. Oh, no wonder but, why you became such a baseball yeah. fan. You go to the Astrodome, <laughs> like that place was crazy when they built it. Like it was, I guess they called it like the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. At one point, was like the biggest structure in the world outside of like the Taj Mahal or something like that. I I want if I could move anywhere, I would probably move to Texas because Texas just seems like everything is bigger and better. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. No, people are friendly. It's great. I've lived here all my life. So I have, yeah, born in Houston and lived here till I was nine. And then the rest of the time I've lived in the Dallas area. Oh, that's awesome. So if you can, if you can just kind of get over the heat between May and the end of September, you're good, but it's, it gets hot, but yeah. Yeah. So out of all the stadiums you've been to, so I've only been to old Bush stadium, new Bush stadium, Wrigley field, uh, the Atlanta Braves Stadium after Fulton County Stadium and then the Oakland Coliseum. And those are the only ones I've been to. And obviously, yeah. like, my favorite one is probably 
Wrigley Field because I'm a Cubs fan, and that's just like a cool nostalgic park, man. Like, did you like Wrigley Field, or did it seem sort of like run down to you? No, 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 no. Wrigley Field is uh, it's. I would say Wrigley Field and Fenway are kind of in a class of their own because yeah. they've, you know, the age and just the the history and the players that have played there. It's those are just different places because people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite ballpark?" And I kind of have to. You know, if I give one of those, you know, it, it's it's difficult. So I kind of set those aside. I'm like outside of just, you know, because just none of the other parks can really hold a candle to either one of those, right? Um, and so, no, it was great. And so I should – so uh, the my seeing all the 30 ballparks, and this is kind of an old like criteria that I made up for myself. It was either by a game, seeing a game at the park, or a, a tour, and so, uh, and some people, I know a lot of people are, you know, oh, the nothing takes the place of a game. There's advantages to both. And, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy both. Um, and yeah, Turner field was another one too. That was Turner field was the, was built for the Olympics in 96. And that was the one that, um, was between Fulton County okay. and the current one. I always forget the name of that one. Like I didn't remember, but my wife and I went to it for like, a, I think in 2016, like a Cubs Brave series. And I remember that place was just so difficult to get into because the location, which yeah, I guess like is why they, yeah, which I guess it's why they moved it. So I'd like to get to the new one because I can get to Atlanta, I think in about three hours from where I'm from and they've got a good team this year. Um, yeah. But also like, on the North side. Dude, yeah, that's the north side, so you don't have to go into downtown anymore. To, that's what I'm talking it. about. Because I'm from a small town in Illinois, so if you get me, you know, a few stoplights, I'm gonna start to lose my mind a little bit. But I can handle it, I guess. But um, I mean, but that's got to be so fun. Like one of my favorite experiences, like the ballpark experience, like going. Like I remember the first time I went to Wrigley and. Everybody talks about it, but like that bright green grass, like that's the first thing I notice, and that's the first thing a lot of people notice. And as simple as it is, like I just I love grass. Like I would grow up growing up, I had a paper route and I mowed yards, and that's how I made money. And so like the smell and the look of like that fresh cut grass, like I absolutely love. And I remember going to Wrigley and just being like, like I almost cried because I was like, this is like phenomenal. Because I actually went to Bush. Before I went to Wrigley because Chicago was like six hours away, but St. Louis was only two. And I mean, like that experience in itself was phenomenal. Like the sounds of the game, the crack of the bat, like and actually seeing big league players and being like, that's the dude I saw on TV. Like, did you have like out of all your stadium tours at any age, like was there any one moment where that stands out that you were so starstruck because you saw a player or interacted with a player or something like that? Yeah, I think I think seeing George Brett probably, you know, you watch. I watched a lot of games. I mentioned uh, when I moved mm-hmm. uh, when I lived in Dallas. You know, growing up, the Rangers. Well, you know, you see George Brett, and then you see him in that you know that stance. He would lean. That's what I remember about him. He would lean so far back. Yeah. That's kind of like his trademark. And so seeing him, you're just like, holy cow, that is, that's George Brett, you know? And um, I think that was a big one. I think, you know, I mentioned going to the Astrodome. Um, you know, my dad, I, I think is really, who's kind of grateful for my parents for starting me off with the, the ball, all the, seeing the stadiums. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like seeing Nolan Ryan pitch and then, 
uh, you know, Glenn Davis, the uh, oh, Glenn was Davis another was big a guy. Stud. Yeah. I hate yeah. that his career it, got cut short because I think when he ended up going to Baltimore, he had some sort of shoulder problem and never was able to recover from it. I don't even know if he had a productive season, but hell, that 86 season, he was second in MVP voting to Mike Schmidt, I think. And yeah, Glenn Davis could season. hit. Yeah. And even he in the awesome. Astrodome, it was hard to hit home runs in the Astrodome, and he hit 30-plus home runs, I think, a couple seasons there at the Astrodome for sure. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was more of a pitcher's park. I think he had yeah. uh, Nolan Ryan, and then he had Mike Scott. Mike Scott Ooh. was the other um, that, you know, really oh, yeah. good pitcher. So, um, And then I didn't even know about, you know, like J.R. Richard and his story. I didn't oh, even yeah. really know – because he was a little bit before my time, but yeah. I wish I could have seen him play because he was just a phenom that came up. Yeah, he had his stroke, I think, just after the All-Star game in 1980. And players talk about the way he pitched like they had never seen anything like it before. Guys like Dale Murphy and Johnny Bench, like one Hall of Famer and another guy that I think should be a Hall of Famer, are like by far and away J.R. Richard was the toughest pitcher we ever faced like this guy I think was like six eight and he was throwing triple digits in like the late 70s and then 1980 when he played and that was a time when a lot of guys probably weren't doing that you know and when the Astros signed Nolan Ryan in 1980 because in 1980 I think was the first year where they were both teammates but JR never played past the all-star break J.R. Richard at that point was the ace of the staff because he was striking more guys out, had a lower average against. I mean, when J.R. Richard was, I think, in high school, his whole senior season, he didn't allow a run. In all the games that he pitched, nobody could score a run off of him because he was so good. And he even had a game where he, like, threw a no-hitter and hit four home runs in a game. Like, he was, like, a superb athlete to the point, like, you know, I like to – people always mention guys like Bo Jackson and Eric Davis of, like, these what-if stories, like if a guy could stay healthy. And for me, J.R. Richard is right up there because that could have been a 300-win, like, big-time strikeout guy, like sort of like a Nolan Ryan 2.0. You know, it would be hard to have that longevity that Nolan Ryan had. But, I mean, I'm like you. Like, that's one guy I wish I could have seen. Right. And, he, yeah, he was a generational player. It, it's a shame a lot of times you want to see how – that career would have played out, you know, like, it's just, it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, that's life happens that way sometimes, but you're like, man, what would that, what, you know, if he would have had, you know, the opportunity to play, you know, a lot more years, you know, what would that have looked like? But yeah. uh, it's, it's fun to just, it's amazing to see someone just come in and light it up like he did. Dude, it really years. is like, that's why like baseball, impresses me so much so many people that like baseball sort of taken a backseat to basketball and football and so many people talk about baseball players like not being athletes and this that and the other but to me baseball players are some of the most impressive because it's such a mental game to go along with the physical like when a batter comes into the box he's got to remember all of these things you know like, you know, the hand-eye coordination, but at the same time, you want to swing really hard. And, you know, to remember a guy like J.R. Richard and the things he would do on the mound, like this is a kid that was striking, that was dominating Hall of Famers at the time he played. He struck out Reggie Jackson at the 1980 All-Star Game about three weeks before he had his massive stroke, but which is funny 
is before he had the massive stroke, he was having a bunch of smaller strokes along the way. So it's likely in 1980 when J.R. Richards struck out Reggie Jackson in that All-Star game, he could have had a mild stroke that day, right? And so when you have athletes that, you know, have to overcome these physical things and have things wrong with them and are still able to perform, like that's one of the things that stands out to me so much as far as baseball being a really good parallel for life is just the resilience that so many baseball players had and the resilience, you know, the people in our family had that are responsible for us being here. You know, like you mentioned your grandpa, I think being a World War II vet and living a life that was much harder than ours. And it's, to me, it is... Um, it's really not, it's motivational or something like that, you know, to see people like that. And like, for me, I feel like it's motivating in my daily life to know that the people that came before me that, you know, took care of me worked really hard. And I think a lot of that, you know, you see it in baseball with the athletes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, you mentioned your, your dad's work ethic. I mean, my dad was the same way for me and my dad's actually not really a big, uh, you know, baseball fan fan i mean he likes baseball i would say my mom's probably more of a baseball fan and my mom's side of the family is kind of oh, I maybe love that. It might yeah. be where it comes from but uh you know the work ethic and just the gratitude that you have for you know because i i attribute by uh you know my dad or my parents um for you know kind of the seeing i mean i, I Really, when it started was, uh, you know, seeing the other ballparks. I mean, I saw Kaufman, and then I saw Camden Yards was uh, when that, another one. But, you know, that doesn't happen if my parents don't, you know, we go on a vacation. They, uh, you know, they kind of make that happen for, you know, and drive us to Camden Yards because they know it's important, right? So it may not, wasn't maybe not as important to my dad. I mean, he likes baseball, but he could see how much it meant to me and made that happen and uh so i think that's what really started it and and then also just the modeling of the of the work ethic so you just you kind of all comes full circle where you have a lot of gratitude i think gratitude is such like a phenomenal like it's a great word and it's a great thing to have like if i'm having a really crappy day and especially now that i have a daughter and you have kids as well right Yes, I got three. Ten, yeah. They're 10, 8, and 6. 10, 8, and 6. Listen, I mean, first, like, the, but the gratitude portion of it, like, if I'm having, like, a bad day or whatever, like, I'll always remember, like, gratitude and remember, like, what others have done for me, you know, because having kids, like, makes you tired, you know, we're working full time and, like, stuff isn't easy. But just that word gratitude, I think, is such a brightening word. And it's one that, you know, gets me through my day when, you know, and it's always serves as a reminder, right? Like all the things you just mentioned, like, you know, that feeling gratitude and recognizing that, you know, such a great reminder, but having kids, man, like what a life changer that's probably been for you. Cause right now me and my wife have our 16 month old and she's the only one we have right now. But like that brought a lot of those, you know, values that centered around baseball and growing up and actually made me feel more nostalgic because even with my daughter, I feel like, I'm able to recognize like what will be a nostalgic moment. And then when I look, when I remember the nostalgic moments that I had with my family, it makes me want to do like extra things with my daughter. Like, you know, no, I'm not tired. Let's get up and go do something, right? Like I imagine you've experienced that exact thing having three kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My kids are all into the sports. Um, we are um, 
let's see my yeah oldest daughter has she's played soccer she's in gymnastics now um and yeah middle daughter we uh so the the younger two are really the ones that we've been working our my son's playing t-ball and so you know we get out and we're just doing a lot of work hitting off the tee um i made a (laughs) i took my daughter i kind of it was certainly not a mistake but uh, now I get asked every day to go to the batting cages because I took my daughter nice. to the batting cages <laughs> and, you know, she's hitting softball. So she's eight. Okay. And so we have this really nice indoor batting cage facility, like not too far at all. And, um, and, she, and you know, when you're eight and you go, I mean, we didn't have those kinds of cake. I mean, it was like, Hell uh, no. No, no, we didn't have. Like we were outside taking BP in like 110 degree because I'm not from Texas, right. man. Southern Illinois is like pretty hot. Like there's no way it's Texas hot, but we didn't have like these fancy facilities. It was like go outside, drink some hose water and take some swings, kid. Yeah, Right, right. So, yeah, we did that, you know, and so then I would say that was probably about a month and a half ago. And I would say five out of seven days I get asked to go to the batting cages. And I'm kind of like, you know, we can't go to the batting cages every day, but here's what we can do. We can work. Let's, we need to do some work off the tee and then oh, yeah. we'll go. We re, we need to refine it. And then we're going to go back to the batting cages and, and we'll, you know, um, you know, do that again. And um, so, yeah, once I take my son, you know, he's six and uh, you know, it's rolling ground balls and, you know, throwing, he can throw pretty good, hit and hit off the tee um, pretty good. But uh, yeah, working on, you know, hitting pitches and yeah, it's fun. It's, 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 um, and so, yeah, I've been able to share that a little bit with them. And of course they've been to some ballparks too. Um, now they're not as, yeah, they're not, you know, being, I think we, my youngest was, or excuse me, my oldest, when we, when I finished the ballparks, my oldest was seven. So I mean, they think it's neat, it's cool, but doesn't quite have the same meaning as, you know, I think maybe one day they'll go, you know, I remember we used to go to ballparks with dad, you know, (laughs) so. God, that's how it'll always be, though, because you never know in the moment, right? And then as you get older, it's like, oh, those were like really good times, you know? But that has to be the best feeling to share that with your kids. Like, Like, my daughter's not old enough yet, so I haven't had a chance to do that, but. I want to say about uh, a couple months ago, I went back to Illinois and uh, my cousin Josh, he's got like a 10 year old or something who's just now getting into baseball and he lives out in the country, right? So it's nothing but a house and a ton of land. They have like 50 acres out there and we got a chance, me, him and his son to just like pitch baseballs and field baseballs in the middle of this field. And it was the best feeling, man, just to be there and, you know, throw some balls and hit some balls and you're watching like this kid process the game and learn the game just like we did at one point you know and you talk about your daughter just wanting to go to the batting cages all the time it's like you see that and it's like oh like you know the the kids are hitting off the tee and we're going to refine the swing and then go back to the cage and just that whole process of like watching the wheels turn in their head like I see that with my daughter and it's so like it's the sweetest thing to like watch kids learn you know and the good news is is that it only gets better so just it's it's more fun as a parent as they as they can do more things as they can as they just get better it's it's and it's fun to see them enjoy the process of getting better and you know they're they're forming habits right so you know whether they how long they play something you know it's they're they're developing habits and uh, it is fun like you said to see the wheels turn so it only gets better 
as they get older. Dude, and it's just like, I feel like having a kid makes me a better person. Like, before I had a kid, because so my daughter was born when I was, I just turned 36. So I was an old dad. And you always hear like, oh, have a kid, your life will be over. Like, I worked with a guy who was like, yeah, if, when, you, when your kid's born, like, good luck, pal. You know what I mean? Like, all your hobbies are going to be dead. But since my daughter's been born, it's like I have more energy and I'm doing more. And I'm spending more time with her. And, like, all that crap about, you know, people saying, like, oh, good luck or whatever, like, I never experienced any of that. And I think a lot of it was probably had to do with my age. And it doesn't sound like you have either. Like, you enjoy the time with your kids. And I think that's so cool, you know, because we live, you know, it's almost like being a dad. Me, my wife and I will talk about this a lot to where, like, if my wife goes out with some friends and I'll watch my daughter, people are like, oh, your husband's watching your daughter. That's so nice of him. And I'm always just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I love to spend time with my kid. You know what I mean? Right. Like, And you, oh, I imagine yeah. you and your wife would probably experience that too. Where they're like, oh, Daniel's watching the kid. So sweet of him. And it's just like, no, like not at all. Like, cause me being around my kid is like, it motivates me so much and not even just baseball related. Like I'm having a conversation with you because I got motivated to like do a podcast and have guests on, which I never do. Right. And she's just sort of like having a kid. I, for me at least, and I would imagine it did for you. Um, it helped me to realize that all the small shit in life, like doesn't matter. Like everything that was most important like showed up after having the kid and all those things that I was like worried about or wondered about, like they don't mean anything. You know, it's like you feel love and you realize what's most important. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's, uh, it's, it's part of the journey. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's so many memories that have been made along the way. Like I remember we went to, we actually drove from Dallas to, um, Minneapolis. We stopped Kansas city, nice. some family, and then we drove to Minneapolis. Well, you know, there's a lot, there's actually a lot of Minneapolis is a really neat city. And so one of the things we did was we went to target field and now we joke about it. It's a, it's a family joke at the time. It was kind of, um, it wasn't as funny of it. We're on this tour. And so you imagine like a group of people, like there's tw 25 people on a tour and I love the tours because it's always, usually some, you know, a person that's retired, that's lived in the city for 30 plus years that has all this knowledge that they're sharing with you on the, and on that's the tour, a tour so, of the ballpark, right? Yes. I've yes, never yes, been I, on one right. of those before. So yeah, tell me about it. Sorry. You I didn't got, mean to interrupt you. I yeah. just want to make sure. No, no, no. You know, I, I would, I, so I actually like the tours a little bit better for that reason, because you, you get somebody that is just, uh, that knows all the players that you and I've been talking about and has all those experiences too. And that's why they're a tour guide. And so you're, 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 uh, you actually get to see more of the ballpark too and really get to experience it. Uh, but we're on, now it's a, you know, a joke in our family where we're on this tour and I'm, you know, all excited about seeing target field it's brand new, you know, and, my daughter, who I think was she was two or three at the time, she just keeps uh, wanting me to hold her, okay. and she just keeps saying, "Dad, hold me like a baby," <laughs> just over and over and over again, like really loud. I and love I'm it. like, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I'm in a group tour of 25 people, but 
you know, now it's a, you know, it's all fun and, you know, it's a joke and everything. We all laugh, but it's just, you know, it's, it's memories like that that you make along the way that, you know, we're never going to forget that. And you're going to have those memories with, with your daughter too. I mean, you're already making some and, you know, eventually, you know, I mean, she's going to remember a lot of those too. Dude, I love that she was yelling, hold me like a baby. Oh, that is man. amazing. I mean, the whole, oh my two, gosh. the whole entire time. Dude, that, so you listen, so my daughter, um, what was it like two weeks ago or something? I took her to the grocery store with me because I was like, listen, we got to pick up some stuff. So let's go. And I love to get her out of the house because she is so adventurous and loves new people, right? But usually when my daughter leaves the house, my wife and I are together, right? So one of us will do like the grocery shopping and then I'll just like put my daughter down and just let her run around the store and I'll follow her, right? So, but when I took her to the store by myself this time, I couldn't do that. So I had to have her in the cart. So she lasted about 10 minutes in the shopping cart and I see it's starting to go bad, right? I opened up like this little like organic muffin for her to eat. She throws it, man. She launched it like 20 feet. And when she listen, she does that when she eats like dinner, any meal, like when she's done drinking her water, she throws it. And I mean, she's a lefty too. So I know there's never been a woman, you know, major league baseball player. Listen, my kid might have the left arm of God right here. I'm not really too sure. She launches her food when she's done with it. So I'm taking her through the store. And I see her, she's starting to like get a little mad. I can see it in her face. Her nose is crunching. And then she's, she launches this muffin. And I'm like, oh my God, I've lost her. It's like feeding a gremlin after midnight. So I'm like, okay, let's just get the essentials. Like, let's get some goldfish and some milk and get the hell out of here. And I go through the self-checkout because I'm like, the self-checkout will be quicker. Well, I was wrong. So she has a refusal to be in the cart. She doesn't want to be in the cart anymore. And she's yelling. So I grab her in my arms and she's going, I'm holding her with one arm. And I'm scanning the groceries with the other. And she goes full horizontal on me. Like, that's how she tries to wiggle out. So if I'm holding her and she's vertical, she'll go full horizontal and just, like, tip her body and just try to eject herself out of my arms. And the whole time she starts oh. screaming and I'm just cracking up. Like, I can't help it. And my wife's told me, she goes, you can't laugh at your daughter when she's angry. But I think it's the cutest thing in the world. So all the people at the self-checkouts are staring at me. <laughs> I'm cracking up, and my daughter's throwing everything she can get. Like, I try to give her a York peppermint patty. I just rip it open. I don't even think I paid for it. Like, anything that's around that's edible, I'm ripping open and giving it to her, and she's just launching it, launching it to the side. And so I know what you mean with those moments, man. So when you said, hold me like a baby, I was like, that sort of sounds like something my daughter might do soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, shoot. No, it's funny. It, you look back, it's it's hilarious, and sometimes in the moment, it's – it's not, you know, when, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all fun. Listen, let me ask you this. So you watch, yeah. you probably watched a lot of baseball, like growing Lots up at baseball. home, right? Oh yeah. And like, I yeah. remember my setup at the house. Like I had this old console TV. It was called a space command TV and you could make phone calls to it. I got it like as a hand me down from my grandparents. And I remember always watching, you know, TV, watching baseball games on this big old console TV. WGN and TBS were the two channels that we had. Now, did you have like a setup in your room with like your video games or in the living room or like a set spot that you watch mm, ball games maybe growing I did. up? That's something I should have done. Maybe I was uh, not, uh, didn't have the optimal experience. That's 
that's quite an quite a setup. No, mine was um, just yeah, TV. We had obviously the the local uh, games, um, yeah, for the Rangers, and then of course I had yeah the WGN and the TBS um, set up. But um, yeah, I was regular regular setup. I didn't have now. My grandparents had the big. I thought you're talking about those TVs that weigh like a thousand pounds That's exactly. that I don't know if you can move them. <laughs> you I mean, can, like they're, they're, but, they're, like, it, they're like a piano or they, they weigh as much as a piano. That's exactly like a piano. And I remember like it happened to us once, but like if those TVs would ever get struck by lightning, because nobody had surge protectors in the 80s, it was not uncommon to see a smaller TV on top of the bigger TV because if the bigger TV right. went out – nobody's going to move it. So it's like, let's just leave it here and move it when we have to. So there'd be a little TV on top of the big TV because it was basically a piece of furniture. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But listen, yeah, who called? Had, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was done. Go. go what I was going to ask is who was calling the Rangers games back then? Like, did you have an announcer that you loved growing up? Yes. So we had Jim Sunberg. Who was a former Ooh, Ranger? He's a damn good catcher, Jim Sundberg. Yeah. Was I think he may have been a Cup for a year, and then heck, he may have been a Toronto Blue Jay for a year or two. I don't remember, yeah. but I was like Jim Sundberg. He's a good guy. Yeah, and then we had Steve Busby, who he was a guy that I think threw a couple no hitters in the early no uh, or late seventies, early eighties, and then his career I think for he was with the Royals, so that was neat. He actually went and became an announcer for the Royals too for a while. So there's that Kansas City connection again, but. Those were um, the two announcers for a long, a long time growing up. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I listen to those guys every night. Yeah, I always find myself like I loved Hawk Harrelson. Like I loved the sound of his voice. Harry Callis, I loved the sound of his voice. But obviously, the games I watched most were like Harry Carey and Steve Stone. But like, so when as I watch games now, I always I'll watch any game from any team. If the announcers are good, because so many announcers now just sort of like have fluff talk, you know, they won't really dig into the game. But one of the announcers that I know you'll know, because I started watching some Kansas City Royals baseball because Rex Hudler for the Royals. He can call yes. a damn game. His not only that, but his voice is phenomenal. He's like the Morgan Freeman of baseball, and he gets into the game. And like what I find, like he's a sweetheart of an announcer in the sense of if another player does something good, he compliments them, and he always recognizes the style of play. And it seems like when he calls a game, he never strays from the game. He's detailed, and he's into it. And that makes for good baseball. And right now, I think the Royals are two games under 500. But damn it, I love to watch those games because it's not just a Royals game. Like, you get a baseball experience with it. And that guy's one of my favorite announcers right now. Yeah, he is. He did a couple of, about 10. My video games have, uh, over the last few years, have not, or not what they once were. But he was on a few of those MLB The Show was he going back 10 years ago yes he was on a couple of those and so um yeah that's i mean i don't know i love the the video when they they were able to do that now they didn't do that back in the rbi baseball the baseball sure stars nope. days that we we didn't get that when uh, we were kids but the ba baseball stars so legit like baseball stars wasn't even licensed by mlb and that to me might be the best baseball game ever like the american dreams 
I will put them up against the 27 Yankees, like the 01, 02 Mariners or whatever team that won a bunch of games and didn't make it very far, like legendary team, right? Right. Listen, oh, yeah. do, you still yeah, play, was... do you still play video games? Not much. No, my video game um, with the three kids and their activities and then, uh, you know, my having, trying to have a, one or two personal hobbies of my own, video games does not fall into that anymore. Oh, but, shoot. Um, I want to get, get back to your hobbies, but listen, I since I only have yeah. one kid and she goes, she's in bed by 8 o'clock every night, I've got a Sega and a Nintendo that I'll still play the old RBI baseball stars. And I'm even playing World Series baseball for Sega. And I've got a season going on it, which is going to take me probably three years to finish because I'll play maybe once every six weeks. Um, but I love those old games, man. Like, I'm glad you mentioned baseball stars and RBI baseball. Like, that in itself, man, takes me back. Oh, yeah. I was never really big on some of the – that when the players had their own games, I never got into, I just, I, I didn't either. The, yeah. Because you, I loved it when they had like the current lineups and then you wait till the next year and they were updated. And it was just, it was a way when baseball wasn't on TV, you could play, you know, against a friend with a, you know, head to head with a team and it kind of yeah. brought it to life in a different way. That's exactly what we would do. We would play baseball until we just got burned out. Cause it was so hot out go home, eat lunch, and then play RBI baseball to cool off. And then, of course, in the off seasons, like it was like I remember playing baseball, like writing stats down, trying to figure out percentages. And, I mean, those were just good times. Like I feel like my favorites are like RBI baseball stars. Bases loaded because it had like the weird screen format because you could see from the pitcher. I played a lot of bases loaded. It's so good. There was, there, was a, there was always that cleanup hitter that would hit like his first at bat – if he made contact, it was always a home run. There was that – it was – every time he was going to so hit a home good, run. So good, so good. But listen, what kind of hobbies do you keep now, man? Well, uh, actually, I first started listening to your podcast. Uh, you know, I, stumbled, I came across your, your Instagram and then started listening to your, your podcast, and I'd listened to it on my long run. So I've been running a lot the last oh, couple long of years. Run. Do you run marathons? Uh, I've ran a couple. Nice. Uh, but – haven't you know uh recently but i've just been uh running my long runs usually like eight to ten miles on a yep. saturday or sunday and so that's great for listening to you know greatest show on dirt podcast and geez i'm probably putting you, know, you to sleep man you buy your times aren't going to be very good if you're listening to me man. <laughs> no, i'm gonna put man. you to sleep dude it's very relaxing it's great no i mean you know that way i'm you know, doing two things I love. I'm running and I'm listening to the, you know, uh, baseball. And, uh, you know, you're, I remember one you did recently, Dan Quisenberry, another Royal, um, you know, just, yeah. So that was uh, a good one. But um, that, um, I read a good amount, uh, try to as much as I can. And so those are, those are really my go-tos. My, you know, trying to stay active, trying to stay in shape so I can, um, you know, my keep up with my kids a little bit and then, and then I'm reading, uh, usually some, some histories and biographies. Uh, and I read, I do read some baseball books. There's some, there's some good, uh, uh some good ones. Yeah. That's about right up my alley. So when you said long run, like, cause I, 
like I knew it was probably running marathons or something because I ran like when I was in college, I ran, I think three half marathons and I always had a long run day, like on a Sunday. And then I would go out like in the country to like, they had these, when I was in Southern Illinois still, they had like these trails that you could go on that would go on for miles. So I would drive like 10 miles out of town to get to the start of the trail and just run on a Sunday. And I love to run too, man, because it gets you outside. Like, it's a perfect reason. Like, I used to lift weights a lot. Like, for 10 straight years, I was a pretty big meathead. and But it was hard to run because I got so heavy. And now I think at this point, like, I'm back down to, like, 190. And I can run pretty good. And nothing really bugs me. And it's just so damn nice to be outside. Um, Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me, too. I lifted a lot of weights, uh, like, 19, 20 you know, and then to, you know, early twenties. Oh, then so you were a big just, meathead too, man. We might be the uh, same person. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. And then dude. I went, yeah. And then I just went all cardio and I'm like, well, yeah. I need to keep my, you know, my weight down and my, you know, it was just what's good for me. So. Well, it's, it, it gets you energized. I feel like, like the action of running is energized. It's sort of like a smile, right? Like if a person's having a bad day, if you just force a smile, you'll start to feel better. And I think it's like that with running. And even if you're a crappy runner and like your run, like sometimes my runs look like a very slow jog of like a person that's about to have an asthma attack, but it's still just so good to get out and move, you know? Absolutely. No, I feel the same way. Yeah, it gives me energy, release, release stress. So I'm just a better dad and able to, um, I mean, the big thing, yeah, it just, it, it gives me energy. So I did a, I have a stationary bike too that I ride on. I don't have time to get out on the road bike uh, as much as I would like to. And just takes, you know, a lot of time, but I can get, you know, a 30 to 40 minutes on the stationary bike and ride hard. And, you know, it just gets me energized and. Yeah. My wife has, my wife has a Peloton, but I've never used it because you have to buy like the right shoes to go with it. So she got, well, I got her the Peloton after she had our daughter. And so she's been using the Peloton, but I've never had a chance to use it because you have to buy shoes for it. And they're like 150 bucks. And I'm like, eh, I don't really care that much. Like I'll just keep running outside and maybe I'll buy them when like my running shoes wear out or something. Um, but she loves the thing, man. And just to be able to do it inside too, like it's super quick, especially when you have kids, like you don't have to leave, you know, you can just knock it out real quick super efficient yeah it is so and you can get a really good workout in a shorter amount of time and yeah if you're going to ride 20 30 miles i mean that takes you know hour and a half two hours so yeah it's great for me and just kind of the life stage that i'm in and i swim too like i swim a mile yesterday and you know i try and swim i try and get one swim in a week and so if i can do that kind of relieve my joints a little bit from the running um, I'm good. That's what they always say. My dad started to do like exercises in the pool because of like his arthritis and stuff. And if you think about it, like if you ever watch like the Olympics when you've got the swimmers, like all those swimmers are in phenomenal shape. So I feel like swimming's probably a really good thing to do. It is. I I feel really good after after I swim. Uh, and my body, you know, it's just it's really easy on my body. So that starts to count really like I'm in an adult softball league right now in my right elbow, like even through all the lifting weights and half marathons, like I've never had an injury that has like held me back from doing something. So like I'll have like little knee stingers or like my shoulders or whatever, but they're nothing bad. But right now my right elbow, like it'll hurt and like go all the way up to my fingertips or like if I tried to grip something hard, like I can 
feel that maybe it's not gripping as hard as it should. And I think it's either from swinging a baseball bat or throwing a ball. I can't really tell the difference. So I've just been hitting it with the ice and, uh, I bought some of that blue emu stuff off the Johnny Bench commercial, so we'll see if it really works or not. <laughs> That's good. But yeah. Also, listen, I I've got to know. Go oh, sorry. Well, no, sorry, because I know. Um, I wanted to know what your favorite sports book was. I apologize, man. I keep interrupting you. It's my fault. I'm not no, good no, at no. podcasting. You're not at all. <laughs> You're. Hey, you know this is one of my first podcasts, so Dude, nice. Um, I, I am very inexperienced at the, but. Uh, no, um, so baseball books. So I actually just got through reading, um, and I, I, well, so Keith Hernandez wrote a book, and so I'm a big Seinfeld guy. Oh Seinfeld yeah, Seinfeld's phenomenal. Person. So oh, yes. I, you know, love Seinfeld, and he was on a couple episode episodes. Oh yeah, uh, and so he his book it's a memoir on like the first part of his career up until he's you know with the Cardinals. I would read that book for and, sure. Yeah, and it's called I'm Keith Hernandez. So it's a direct Seinfeld reference because he was in a couple episodes. And if you've seen the episodes, you'll, you know, you know the reference. But um, I was like, I'll give it a skim. You know, it's a Seinfeld reference on Keith Hernandez. And, you know, I've also read How the Bad Boys Won by Jeff Perlman, um, which is all about the 86 Mets and oh, the Astros yeah. are in there too. Nice. That is a great book. And so I'm like, well, I'll read it. Well, I'll give it a skim. And I, of course, the, the skim turns into a, you know, full on read. And so, um, that one was good. And, and um, I read the, the, uh, before that one, probably the last baseball book was the, the wax pack. And so, uh, I had heard about that one. And then, you know, you had them on, uh, the, one of your shows, uh, like a month or two ago. And I was really excited about that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's combining my two, two of my passions of road tripping and baseball. I mean, that was, that was a phenomenal book and a, a really, uh, really cool guy. So he, yeah, it, those are two of them. And then I've read, um, some of the older, like summer 49 and October of 64. Um, and those are written by, um, um, gosh, now the author is slipping. I my know who mind, you're talking but, about because I had a guy yeah. loan me one of those books and I never got a chance to read it. It was a guy I worked with at my previous job, and I gave him the book back when I quit. And um, what was that book called? Summer of '64. Well, there's October of '64, and then there's Summer of '49. Oh, it's it, David Halberstam. That's yes, that's it, that's it. Apparently, he's a phenomenal yeah. writer. I regret not reading that book, and I need to get it. Yeah, so he's written. And he's written some other like, historical. Um, books too but those are the two baseball books that he's read and so um you know that that goes into the you know the ted williams era and then the other ones more about the yankees the um banal um kind of that era so man i i love reading that stuff um you know i i like reading history and some other things too but um you know it just it's it's fun to read yeah, I've got like I'm reading uh, a book by George Will called Men at Work, and it documents four Major League Baseball players during a season, and I'm not very far through it right now. And I know it documents Tony La Russa, Tony Gwynn, and then I forget the other two players. And I think it's like during like the 1990 or the 91 season. And then also, though, when you mention historical books, I read a book called Zealot, which was like 
supposed to be like a factual account of the life of Jesus, not like from like a Christianity standpoint, but from like what's known about the person. And it was a very interesting book. Wow. Okay. And uh, so it sounds like you like to read as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've got a um, I haven't been reading as much as I want to with like, you know, since my daughter has been born, like I've sort of slacked up on it as much. But because I've probably been reading the George Will Will book for probably three or four weeks and I'm maybe 60 pages into it. You know, it's just so hard to get to. But I need to make it more of a priority because I'll write a lot in my spare time, too. Like I love to write. And I mean, that's sort of my job at work, too, I guess. But um I'm going to have to remember those books, the Jeff Perlman book and then the I Am Keith Hernandez. Read the Jeff Perlman. The Jeff Perlman, I mean, is, is really good, um, how the bad boys won. Um, I mean, those – some of those, the teams with, uh, you know, like Lenny Dykstra. Jeez, those are just crazy. really exciting players. And um, he's – I mean, he's a, he's a really good writer too. But, um, yeah, I read – I also read um, – is it uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin? The um, her, oh, her she's memoir. a sweetheart. I know her. She oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's uh, wait till next year, and it's about her growing up as a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, yes. Ebbets Field. So that was another one, like way before our time, that I would have loved Ebbets Field to see. Oh yeah, um, and the Polo Grounds. You know, those would have been fun. But you know, I like reading. You know, just uh, I like hearing people's stories. You know, it's fun yeah. to hear just their childhood and when they they uh, tell their story. Yeah, Doris has such a good one because she told a lot of her story on that Ken Burns documentary, and she was like, she was living in Brooklyn when the Dodgers left, I think. And I think so. I think maybe her dad was a Yankees fan and she was a Dodgers fan. No, I think they were both Brooklyn Dodgers fans. Either way, that's probably a book I got to get to, man. I'm glad you said that. Cause yeah. uh, she was great in that Ken Burns documentary and like the way, like her baseball stories were so good. They were. Yeah. And she's written, go ahead. She, well, she's written all that other, I mean, like a ton of other history. I, what I like it is when people, people have their field of expertise, like she's a you know historian and, but mm-hmm. baseball is obviously a big part of her life. And so she, you know, she's done interviews and she's done, she's written, you know, her memoir and it's just very baseball centered. And so I, I love it when people, uh, that, you know, that, you know, chime in with their baseball experiences. Yeah. It's sort of like that with that Bart Giamatti book, Bart Giamatti, who was the, uh, the baseball commissioner that banned Pete Rose. And he was, he wasn't a commissioner for very long because he passed away young. He's, uh, he's Paul Giamatti's dad. Who's like the actor and Bart was like a Harvard professor or something like that before he got the job with Major League Baseball. And he wrote a book, a book of essays called, I have it and I don't remember what it is. Uh, green, great, I don't remember. I'll have to, I'll put it in the description. I guess I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, you know, I'm just going to Google it real quick. But he wrote this book of essays that is so damn good. And one of the essays is about Tom Seaver leaving the Mets. And he's got a couple different ones in there, too. Like, one that sort of, I feel like, ties in, like, the economy with baseball and stuff like that. It's just really, like, the economy at the time, something like that. I'm really probably butchering it, but it's a lot better than what I'm making it out to be. Yeah. Oh, 
No, I yeah, I love I love that stuff. I mean, I know George Will's written some good. I actually haven't read any books that he's done, but um, I think he wrote a book wrote a book called Bunts. I know, yeah, I know. Um, and I a lot of those guys you mentioned the, the Ken Burns documentary. I didn't actually really know about the Ken when it first came out. Like I think it came out in the mid '90s. I didn't really even find out about it or it was just kind of somehow that I missed that one for like, I think, I don't think I watched it until like maybe seven or eight years after it had been out. And um, a big memory I have is watching the, the decade of the thirties with my grandpa. Cause that was kind of his, that was his, you know, decade kind of like the eighties and nineties are of our decade, you know, decade. But um, yeah, I, I learn about all those authors, a lot of them from watching that documentary. I mean, that's a, probably the best, documentary I've, I've ever seen i think so baseball. By far, man. it's so detailed yeah. like i don't know how he stayed organized with making the thing like it had to take years to make i guess and there he had, he had so many good people on there it was like a perfectly curated documentary it was yeah perfect. well and that that prompted me i yeah his uh a lot of the i'm a big ken burns part like as far as the uh, I think the first the first one that he did, and he had Morgan Freeman on the the Civil War one. Um, that was a really good one, and then he did the War. I think probably about twelve years ago. I mean, yeah, I love. As soon as he put something out, I'm. I actually have not seen all of the country music one, but um, I've seen almost the rest of them. Yeah, I've got to get down on some of those other ones because if they're anything like the baseball one, I mean, geez. I mean, he's a genius, no doubt about it. He is. The book by Bart Giamatti, it's called A Great and Glorious Game. Okay. You can get it on Amazon for like two bucks in a hardback because it's yeah. back from like 98, and it's a good one, man. So if you like that sort of like a really good author who's like not just baseball-related but very baseball-centered, I mean, it does it. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that one. I'll have to. I'm gonna check that one out. I only heard about it because he gave like he told one of his essays at like a Harvard graduation, or if it wasn't a Harvard graduation, I think may it may have been like a Cooperstown Hall of Fame ceremony, and they played it on the Baseball Tonight podcast like three or four years ago, and he was reading it, and I was like, wow, what is this? And it was called The Green Fields of the Mind. That was the name of the essay, and it's the, one of the most amazing things I've ever read. Like, I read it, and like I was like, well, that was amazing. Like, I didn't know whether to cry or run around my yard. It was so good. Wow. All right, I'm going to check it out. Man, I, that's what um, – yeah, I'm really enjoying this because, I'm. you know, you just – that's like you – posting all the the things that you're posting on uh you know on instagram and everything it's it's uh part of it is i'm you know getting nostalgic about the you know the players of the past and everything and sometimes i think man am i the only per you know one of the because it's hard to kind of not hard to find people but you know maybe the direct circle of people that you you hang around with don't it doesn't resonate the same way and it's just it's awesome to to see, you know, to hear about, yeah, just picking up on different books that and, and things to read that I were probably would not know about. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check those out. Right. Well, I'm gonna check out the ones you said too, man. But uh, we can wrap this podcast up, dude. I think uh, we're at an hour and eleven, and I had a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I had a blast too. Thanks a lot for for having me on. Um, yeah, I love 
yeah, I loved it. All right, Daniel. Well, I guess um, we'll talk soon. We'll have to do this again, probably. Um, I'm going to end this bad boy. Don't hang up yet because I've got to save it, and I'm not very tech savvy, and I'm not going to cut this part out either. So thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. And Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast, and I'll talk soon. Well, we will talk soon.